Coucou tout le monde, you're listening to Le Bookworms Pod. I'm Helen. And I'm Miranda. This is the podcast that explores the diversity of the francophonie. One book at a time. Sur une plante où les fleurs mûrissent et des époques différentes, je les ai vues et des vieilles dames sur cette plage de Balbec, ces dures graines, ces mous tubercules que mes amis seraient un jour. Mais qu'importait, en ce moment c'était la saison des fleurs. Coucou Miranda, ça va? Coucou, ça va bien, toi? Oui, ça va, ça va. Well, we did it. We finished the second volume of Proust. Yes. How do you feel? I'm feeling good. <laughs> um, how are you feeling? I have mixed feelings because it's two out of seven. So I got really excited uh, and then realized <laughs> I had five left. So <laughs> yeah, it is a marathon for sure. Yeah, you may be thinking like, oh, we just talked about Proust, but we thought it might be cool to have a, a pull back and look at the entire mm -hmm. uh, volume that we've just read um, before moving on to the third out of seven. Exactly. We are trucking along. I will say the first two are. are a decent chunk of like the books. Like I think that... We're still not even halfway. We're not we're halfway. Not I'm not halfway. saying we're halfway, but I feel like we're like maybe... <laughs> like one third instead of being like Maybe, one quarter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's not, anyway, trying to be positive. It's a good spin. Well, before we <laughs> dive in, what are you drinking? Um, today I am drinking some French gin uh, that my Ooh. partner got for me. And it's called Givin and it's green and it's apparently made from grapes which I've never had before, but interesting. frankly, it's delicious. Awesome. So are you just drinking it straight up or did you mix it with tonic? I mean, I put a little bit of lemon <laughs> juice in there, like a little bit of, a little bit of ice. Okay. You know, I like a little bit of, yeah, tart. Like a gimlet kind of situation. Yeah, exactly. What, what are you yeah. drinking? Okay. I'm drinking maple whiskey from Quebec. Because oh. I want to be like you. Oh, <laughs> I feel special. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a uh, sortilege, which I think you know. Love right? it. It's, it's the legitimate Quebecois yeah, whiskey, right? Totally. Yeah, it's yeah. one of the best. I love it. Well, it's pretty tasty. I picked it up at the Marché de Noël, and mm. I'm happy with my choice. And I'm drinking it out of a little cute coffee shot glass mug that you gifted me. So I'm feeling very in tuned with my Canadian friend today. That makes me so happy. We each like tried to channel each other's uh, cultures. I feel it's lovely. Exactly. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's dive in. So overall thoughts of Proust. I think one of the questions we said at the very beginning that we wanted to keep in mind was, is this something that should be passed down? Yeah. Why is this famous? So I think today, try to see where we stand maybe with those mm -hmm. questions after two volumes. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So today we're talking about À l'ombre des jeunes filles en fleurs, which is the second volume. 
of à la recherche de temps perdu. Donc voilà. Yeah, and everyone will remember that the first volume was called Swan's Way or Du Côté du Chez Swan. Over the two volumes, I will say that I prefer the second volume. And I think that's because the narrator is a larger part of it or is at least not a child in it. I had trouble, I think, in the first volume with, like, who I should be focusing on almost. Like, the, the characters were mm. just... You're kind of watching... I know that's the point. But, like, you're kind of watching Swan and his experience with, like, Odette. And it just felt a bit non-traditional for me. So I, I struggled a bit more with that. Mm -hmm. So I enjoyed the second volume because it was much more about Marcel. Okay. But what, what what did you think about the sort of, like, at least that? Did you have any thoughts on, like, sort of the, the voice or the narrator? I agree that the narration and descriptions got a lot better. I think even in our last episode when we were talking about all of those passages and how philosophical it's gotten and also just very flowery language that's beautiful. Yeah. And I would say I did Google a bit to understand a little bit more of the context. And it does seem that the general consensus is that Proust really finds his voice in this second volume. Okay. And his, I guess he hits his stride in a way. Okay. That gives me hope. So I guess we are in agreement with other people. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, I just, I think it made more sense because it's the narrator coming into his own sort of. Mm -hmm. I'll also say that I, I enjoyed the plot a bit more. It was a little bit less of a plot frankly like it was a bit more just sort of existing and talking about existing i think some of my problems with okay. the book in general is that it's presenting emotions that are very real but are problematic and i'm having trouble with sort of okay i hate that you're jealous of her but that is a real thing that people feel you know or i hate the way that you're mm -hmm. reacting to this situation but people absolutely react that way to those situations so it's it's talking about something real but i don't love the choices that the characters make or even the emotions that we're we're allowed into through their eyes okay so i found in the first book a lot more of that whereas i think in the second book as much as i there was still plenty that I didn't love. It felt a bit more honest because he was sort of in his adolescence and like learning about himself and what he cared about and trying to figure it out. It felt just a bit more earnest than the sort of frankly interesting crappy people in the first volume. I feel like everyone was just kind of, I don't know, not, not everyone, but a lot of people were just, I couldn't get around the idea that they were just not very good people, you know? See, I had more of a problem in the second volume with people being bad people. Oh, interesting. Say more. Yeah. So I had two major issues. The first one is the description of Jewish people. So in the second yes. volume, it gets very problematic and just overtly anti-Semitic at times. That's true. And that was hard to read. And I noticed a few passages throughout, but I would say the last 60 pages just really drive that home with Albertine. His crush is just a raging anti-Semite and will not let it go and just keep saying such terrible things. Yeah. And I just had a really hard time with her. I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. And so it was upsetting to me and it really made me question 
whether this book has a place anymore because mm. he's also comparing Jewish people to people in the LGBT community and there's some uh, like a, a nice long passage about that and so I struggled with that and then I sat and reflected a bit as I do with Proust and what I was trying to figure out was is this Proust is he anti-semitic or is he presenting a very real facet of this time period yeah because he's talked about the Dreyfus affair he's brought up a very big political scandal in reality Proust did sign the open letter that Emile Zola sent to the president at the time Felix Faure accusing them and France's administration and justice system of being openly anti-Semitic. And I also did some more digging because I was really struggling with this and it was making me very upset. And I found out Proust's mother was actually Jewish and they had like a civil wedding in order for her to keep her Jewish faith and her father to keep his Catholic faith and Proust was raised Catholic. But that's still a huge part of Proust's identity. Yeah. And it seems like there's a lot of discussion around the anti-Semitism in the book. And some people read it as Proust amplifying of the mistreatment of Jewish people and showing society's wrongdoings. And so I just, I I don't know how you thought about it because I really struggled with it, especially towards the end of the second volume because Albertine was just so awful about it. Yeah, I mean, that's totally fair. I think that, I did read it as Albertine is, I, they don't say her age specifically, but she's sort of studying for the back. So she's she's sort of 17, 18 years old. And I definitely mm-hmm. did read it as like an uninformed view of the time and something that would have been in the zeitgeist, like in the sort of cultural uh, conversation, but told through the the mouth of someone who really has no idea about the world or about what she's talking about. Mm. And I do think that some of the, I think we need to talk maybe in a separate episode about the intersection of this book with LGBT issues as well, especially considering Proust and his life, because it's almost like he doesn't know how to deal with it. He wants to touch on it and he doesn't know how, because even in the first volume, there was Mm. some like lesbian stuff going on. Yeah, I've been taking it as like his exploration of the issue. It is like hard to listen to or read. Yeah, I I wouldn't say that these books translate very well at all. But Mm. I do think that that's an issue for most books of this age. And I guess I I had an easier time because of who the character was. Like, and I think if we had felt that through the narrator, I mean, he's not perfect by any matter. And there are plenty of moments where it's just outright racist. Yeah, that's another thing, the racism. Yeah. Very clear. Very strong. But I do think that it's the, the, the voice that it's being told through is something that we're not necessarily supposed to trust, you know? Interesting. Okay. Yeah, and I think something that I will pay attention to going forward is we've been introduced to two characters. So Swan is a Jewish man, and then Marcel's friend that we get to know in this second volume, which is uh, Bloch, yeah. uh, is also, yeah, so Bloch is also Jewish, and that's who Albertine is constantly criticizing yeah. in this passage. So it is interesting going forward, I will probably 
pick up on it more because I didn't necessarily notice it as much in the first volume. In the second volume, it just really came through strongly in a negative way for me. Yeah, <laughs> so for we'll sure. Keep an eye on it. But definitely racism is another important topic. It is very much present in this book. Again, I'm struggling with what is Proust and what is he reflecting of society? What is he mm. trying to say? And it's hard and I will keep my eye on it and see how it develops and maybe we'll have to do some more third party reading. I mean, yeah. I'm curious to maybe read some other books about Proust to help me understand the larger picture, I guess, because I, I am struggling a bit in the moment with why is this text so revered because of what's in it. And also just like you said, it's a lot of unlikable people and I don't know how relevant it is today. So we've done a good job of trying to relate it to today's experience, but I do think that's because we're taking the time to do it. Mm -hmm. As you read it on face value, it's still a lot yeah. of society in a certain time period, in a certain setting, at a certain aristocratic level. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I just, I'm not getting the hype for the moment. I'm not seeing why everyone thinks all of humanity is in this book and how <laughs> brilliant it is. I, I see moments that I think he's really good. Like I was talking about last time with all the quotes, there are beautiful moments. There are relatable moments. You've even related it to Instagram yeah. and, and stuff like that. And there is that ability to do so. But overall, I do think it takes a lot of work. Whereas it could have been a lot more straightforward of an experience. <laughs> so I agree, but I guess I'll push back on areas and say that, you know, as much as I don't think we should be giving voice to anti-Semitism. I do think that anti-Semitism is anti-Semitism is still rampant today. And I do think that oh, absolutely. Unfortunately, that may be reflective of our experience as like Protestant white women that I don't know. I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't want to read it. It's upsetting to me to read it. It's also upsetting to have it not clearly denounced in the book. Mm. But I also think that there's a there's also a tension of saying I don't want to see this like I don't want to have to experience racism anti-semitism I don't want that to be reflected anywhere in the book and it's like well that isn't reality either right like so and I'm not saying no, that's true that you're saying that I'm saying that like I struggle with that because I don't know how do you give voice to that experience but in a better way than maybe we're having right now with Proust because I think maybe that's what's lacking is the denunciation like maybe if it was Albertine said this and Proust had a, a, a backup argument to say that she was wrong um, but he doesn't really you know he just sort of experiences her comments so I don't know mm. I think it goes back to the larger question of what books should be passed down and how they should be passed down because I think we've touched on that in other books like Jane Eyre, yeah. I think a lot of people talk about, you know, the adventures of Huckleberry Finn and a lot of these older books that use certain racist terms that discuss yeah. certain things. It's it's a hard line and I know it's a discussion that's happening on a societal level yeah. and it, there aren't a lot of clear answers. And it is one of those things where as new editions of the books come out, you know, our editions from the 1990s, are there editorial choices that should be made? Mm. And then how, where's the line, right? Because then all of a sudden you're changing the book and the text yeah. and it's it's hard. So I don't have answers at all. I am just thinking about 
the larger themes and they're hard questions yeah for sure especially with classics yeah i think you're right and and to your larger like i don't know why this book gets gets all that it gets i'm kind of on the same wavelength the only thing i'll say is that when it's good it's really good and so i find that those moments come for me at the moment when I'm almost done with it. <laughs> like in the moments where I'm like, I have read 10 pages about nothing and I'm bored and there's no yeah. dialogue. And then there are just really awesome tidbits that feel really st- very relevant, but also really reflective and maybe something I just haven't experienced in a lot of other novels. So it's a unique novel. I think that some of the praise is a little meta where like people love the philosophy of having this large book that's just this, you know, reflection on everything from train times to sleeping to love to everything, right? And maybe like we could cut a good 40% of it out and still get a lot of the good stuff. I wonder what we would have thought if we read the abridged versions, because there are abridged versions. We chose to read the unabridged long text. And I am wondering if that was a mistake, you know, (laughs) (laughs) would we have liked this better if we read the abridged shorter volumes that that have been produced? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that is the question. I don't think I will read them to find out, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, no fair. Maybe. So the other issue that I had in the second volume is the treatment of women. Mm. And so I went back and forth. I am going to contradict myself. But the last 60 to 80 pages really turned my attitude around, I guess. Okay. In terms of the title of this volume, because we were kind of saying like, oh, it's really quite relevant or it works. And I realized in the last bit of the volume, there are a lot more references in the text to flowers, to women and comparing women to flowers. And it was very explicit. So I hadn't read that when we chatted last time. I found myself shifting towards, I'm not a a fan because we have Marcel, a protagonist, who's clearly in his 20s at this point, if not mid 20s, being very friendly with people like you said, Albertine, who is studying for the back 16 17 and i was like this is problematic sure in some sense yeah and it was bothering me that basically the women are just treated as objects for me like i feel like marcel is treating all these women whether it's the young women or even if it's mrs swan they're objects of his attention and i'm not into it i guess is the issue And so basically it got a little creepy for me towards the end of the book and I couldn't figure out why this was upsetting me compared to what I was talking about last time of like, oh, love and it works. And then I kind of took a step back of again with the unpacking it of, is this Proust being weird with women because Mm -hmm. he has weird things with women? Or is this him, again, showing society's treatment of women that the idea of the young girl is very much like a flower? It blooms for such a short period of time. Everyone's obsessed with the bloom and then kind of throws away the flower once the bloom is done. Yeah. Very much like the treatment of women of even in today's society, we are obsessed with the young girl. We are told that our bodies should look like that when in reality... It's normal to gain weight. It's normal to have hips. There are physical changes that occur after you are no longer a young girl, right? And the whole idea of 
postmenopausal women and their role in society and all of these things and they're changing but it is that larger concept of society has been obsessed for time immemorial of the young girl and of her her beauty yeah and so i was going back and forth on it of basically what is the woman's place in this book is it because it's showing what the woman's place in society and what I'm actually reacting to is that it angers me as a feminist <laughs> to see how women have been treated and currently still are treated. Yeah. Or is there something else more problematic? So I kind of went back and forth on both these issues. They flared up for me in the last 60 pages and really made me angry. And then I sat with it and I was trying to dissect my emotions and it was hard. So I guess all in all, the volume clearly has spoken to me if I'm just taking time out of my day to like reflect on what Proust is trying to teach me. (laughs) Yeah. So I feel like that's all super valid. I don't think that women are treated well in any part of what we've read. Honestly, I don't, the entire, the entire book so far, there really aren't women that are treated well. Like from the very first you know, scene where, like, Marcel is really wants his mom to stay with him and she's basically banished to go put him to bed because, you know, yeah. we have guests and you're being an annoying little brat of a kid or whatever. Like, it's just... So I think, like, women aren't treated well at any point. Now, this is, again, I think that's the tension of, like, the historical versus the aspirational. <laughs> like, it's, like... That was the reality for a lot of women, especially in the mm-hmm. 1900s, 1920s. And so, yeah, I guess that part of it feels just pretty honest um, of the time. I will say that, yeah, the ages are always gross. I love Jane Eyre. That's my favorite book. It's gross. She's 18. He's like 40. You know, like it. Yeah. I think that we kind of that's just kind of a thing with old books is like there's always a really gross age difference so I guess I'm struggling because in some ways I want it to be okay because I'm enjoying what I what I reflect upon when I read Proust I don't think it is okay I think that when we have a male protagonist there is always a male gaze that is upon women Mm. and I think that especially Marcel as a young 20-year-old, there is objectification of women, just the entirety of it. Now, I do feel that, like, when I was reading it, it felt to me as though it's not a universal experience, but I do think that when you're young and realizing that you care about people or that you might love people or that you could be with people, I remember being younger and sort of just thinking about, like, an amorphous person that would be... And you're sort of objectifying everyone as being a potential oh, this is potentially the person for the rest of my life, or maybe this is the person, maybe this is the person, and you don't actually know the person very well. Like, Mm -hmm. I remember being 14 and going on quote-unquote dates, and, like, you didn't talk about things. You have nothing to say or connect to. Like, it's just sort of, like, you're just sort of projecting what you want onto this person. I struggle with it, too. I don't think that you're wrong at all. The treatment of women is upsetting. But I guess I think some of it is baked into the time period and I think some of it mm-hmm. is potentially a reflection on yeah on like the way that people look at women of that at that age and at that part of your life so I don't know I I, I, I totally hear what you're saying because I struggle with it too 
Yeah. Yeah, it's just hard. And I don't think I have the answers. We've talked about Little Woman and that it's another old book. Mm-hmm. But it, the treatment of women is so very different. And sure. it's actually even older. Like it's significantly yeah. older than Proust's writing. So it is possible. And yet it is that line of when you're looking at classics, obviously they were written in the time period they were written. And it's not fair to judge them with my 2022 standards. I get that. But it is also a question of, is this something I want to invest my time in Mm -hmm. and or recommend someone else investing their time in? And right now, that equation's not balancing for me. Yeah. Like, I don't know if we weren't signed up the two of us to finish <laughs> this. I don't know if I would be saying this is something I really want to continue. Yeah, understood. So I guess that's where I'm at after volume two is like, mm, I don't know if I w- would actually continue this if we weren't powering through. Damn. <laughs> well, we don't have to power through. I mean, that's part of this conversation as well, though, is I, I guess I'm still enjoying the experience. I, I haven't been internalizing a lot of it. I think it, it does feel of a different age. And I am sort of reading it almost like a historical document with interesting things to say. Okay. And less, to, less is like a novel. It doesn't read to me as a novel. It almost reads to me as like interludes of reflections of meditations. And it's wrapped around a pretty light plot. Like again, the plots are really almost non-existent. Like the first volume I think was better, but there isn't, there isn't this like major conflict and then we get to the denouement like it's not a fairy tale it's not a i don't know it's not a normal fiction so i guess for me i'm i'm still enjoying the reflections but if you're not enjoying the reflections like we don't have to continue to read something that isn't relevant and i do think that lots of people say that books are the best thing ever i i really did not like catcher in the rye and everybody loves that freaking book and i read it when i was a teenager and i didn't like it And you know what? People talk about how it's perfect at that time of life. It really, you know, talk speaks to that part Mm -hmm. of your your life. And I just didn't for me. And there's no need to force something to be the best book ever written if it's not for you. There is a gendered aspect of that, of course, right? Like, again, I just think it's written by a man who mostly didn't go out, was an aristocrat. At this point, I do want to keep going. Because like I said, this isn't about face compared to my last conversation with you in our episode of I was really enjoying it. So it was really interesting how 60 pages could change so much my experience. So again, I did some reflecting. You know, I think it's good that I was trying to figure it out. Like, why was I reacting? Because I mean, the reality is I do understand this is a dated text, but it's it's just questions I have. And, and, you know, maybe by the end of it, I would just say, like, read volumes one, three, and seven. Yeah, maybe. You know, like, skip some, you know? Who knows? So overall, the journey is interesting. That's just my check-in at this moment. (laughs) I don't think I would recommend this, I guess, is what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. So there you go. (laughs) Volume two. Of Proust, woo! (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to read the third volume with this conversation in mind. Because I think maybe I haven't been internalizing some of the crappier parts of it. And maybe having an eye for that will 
point me in a certain direction. Yeah, and maybe I can look at it more as a historical document <laughs> instead of a novel and see if that changes my reading experience at all. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think we can look forward to long, drawn, drawn out sentences and more words we don't know. But Absolutely. And... Just with the hint of the title, the Guermonts, I'm assuming we're going to go even up a level of the societal echelons. I think so. Into I think so. Even more craziness. So anyways, well, it's always good talking to you. If anyone else is reading Proust, let us know your thoughts on this. Please. And what you're thinking about it. We're curious. Yes, we're curious. And if you're struggling, we relate. And if you're not, I so want to talk to you. <laughs> Yes, please tell us how you're doing it. <laughs> okay. Okay, well, a bientôt. À la prochaine.